Hey everyone, welcome back to my podcast. This is not about your body. I'm Jesse Neeland and I have a fancy new microphone today. So I'm really hoping that it sounds nice. Uh, when I started this podcast, I was kind of just gonna try a little experiment, see how it went. Um, didn't necessarily know if I would like it or anything. So the fact that this has become a real a really enjoyable part of my business actually um I really love making these episodes and getting to share like this has been a really pleasant surprise so I figured it was time to finally invest in something that actually uh made it sound good so my apologies for the audio quality of my first however many podcast episodes uh we are moving up in the world um anyway so today I I have gender on my mind and I think that Gender plays such a major role in body oppression, body liberation, body image issues. Like it's such a it's such a huge topic in so many different ways. And I very specifically want to talk about using gendered language and why that matters. Um, now, depending on where you're coming from, you've probably come across the idea that we are, as a culture right now, trying to move away from using gendered language when it is not necessary. And, you know, necessary certainly can mean different things to different people. But the idea being, we we use gender language so much, you know. I mean, it's one of the very first identifiers we use as a child, right? It's like, see Jane run, she does this, you know. Like, we immediately are using pronouns. We immediately are using gendered languages. Like, this is her backpack. This is his backpack. And we do that... Well, just because of how language is structured, we do that and it teaches children, it teaches all of us to think of gender as an extremely important aspect of a person. And of course, for most of us who are adults now, we pretty much learned that gender and sex were the same thing, that gender was about uh, what genitals you had and that is evolving. Like culturally, the conversation around gender is evolving Um so now, kids nowadays are sort of learning that these are two totally separate things. Uh, gender is an identity. It is a part of who you are and how you express and understand yourself in the world that is made up of many different factors. Uh, it can include genitals, but it certainly doesn't have to. It can include uh, preferences, behavioral and personality traits. It can include energy. It can include... Um, self-expression <clears throat> it can include all kinds of things but it is not biological in the sense that we used to think of it as being you know that it was like oh you have uh, the x chromosome and uh, you have a vagina this is the information we use to decide your gender so nowadays we still use sex like what's the sex of the baby and we are referring to genitals generally when we do that uh, but even that honestly is evolving and I think we will probably get away from in part because the more that we learn and evolve this conversation, we include things like intersex folks. And intersex, just for the record, is somebody whose biological markers don't align with these two binary categories that we used to think of as uh, what they were supposed to be man and woman, biologically speaking. And so there's this whole thing of like, you know, people who are anti-trans, people who are transphobic or 
sort of erasing the trans experience, not understanding its purpose or anything like that. They will often use the term biological, like, oh, she was, she's a biological female to describe like a transgender man who understands himself to be a man in the world. But they'll think, oh, you know, because this person was born without a penis, then they must be biologically female. But actually, gender is a lot more complicated than that because intersex people make up about 3% of the population. Um, which means that intersex people are as common as redheads, <laughs> which is so interesting, right? Because like we all know a redhead. We've all met redheads, which means you've all absolutely met intersex folks. And intersex just means that those markers don't line up the way they were theoretically supposed to if, in fact, gender was this biological container of a binary of man and woman. So you could have the hormonal profile and... Um, you know, uh, what are they called? The chromosomes or whatever. They could not align with your genitals in the way that would fall easily and identifiably into one of these two categories. And that person might be intersex. There's actually a whole bunch, uh, not a whole bunch, there's a handful of different versions of intersex. And uh, each one is a different, basically like mix up of these markers that we typically have used to identify um, man or woman, girl or boy or whatever. And it's a different combination uh, that just sits outside of those two binary categories. And, and the sort of umbrella category for all of that is intersex. So intersex is, um, in other countries actually, being proven. Well, not even being proven. You don't have to prove anything. They're, it's just being validated culturally. They're, they're like allowing for intersex to be an option or third sex um, outside of the binary to be an option on things like passports and uh, birth certificates and that kind of thing in other cultures that are more progressive than ours and ours is very very regressive when it comes to gender and the United States particularly is so gender regressive it is unbelievable but anyway so we are like seems light years away from wait actually you know what I don't even know if light years is a good example because I don't know how long a light year is it we're eons away right like we're a long time away from ever having um, a passport that says to choose gender that is male, uh, female, non-binary or something like that, or like male, female, intersex, other, or even, you know, I don't know what passports say, but man, woman, other, man, woman, third gender, man, woman, non-binary, um, intersex, etc. So like, we're just so far away from that. We really culturally do not do well with progressive conversations around gender and part of that is because the whole American dream is based on this super gender-based heteronormative uh, sort of view of like you know uh, an all-American man and woman who can get married and buy a house and uh, you know he goes to work and she raises the kids and keeps the house clean like that's that's really what we're you know like fetishizing that's what our culture loves when the republican party talks about family values they are referring to that we had so we had to push so hard to move um things like gay marriage forward because it was something that in the u.s was just so sacred was like no marriage is a man and a woman and each one of these things are so specific and unique but like actually maybe they're not that specific and unique and also the roles that they play both in relationship with each other and in the world aren't in any way necessarily determined by that gender or their genitals like it's so to me so ridiculous but I understand that that is you know everybody 
who's conditioned a particular way is going to all sort of hold that standard. So it's really difficult to move this conversation forward and progressive gender conversations are tough in the US. They're just tough. So anyway, the reason that I wanted to share some of this, um, well, a couple things. One is that I recently had a conversation with someone in which they were sort of asking like, what are the rules nowadays, you know, from that kind of perspective of like, what's politically correct now about gender? Um, are we allowed to call out to someone who's like, you know, running by us on a hiking trail or something like get a girl or, uh, you know, you go ladies, like, are we allowed to use gender language anymore? Or is that politically incorrect now? <sighs> and of course, so my stance on politically correct and politically incorrect is that language does not help anybody clarify anything. It is often used in a really contemptuous way like to belittle and downplay whatever the topic actually is and make it sound like it's not important and doesn't um, cause harm or help anybody which is totally not true because most I would say I mean most of the things that are being discussed as are they politically correct or not are actually just forms of harm being caused to people and when we say politically correct, we are talking about the ways in which we are attempting to stop causing that harm. That's all it is. So a great example here with gender is like, is it politically correct to call out, you go ladies as they run by you? I mean, I don't know if it's politically correct or not, but it doesn't freaking matter. You know, like all I'm concerned with is could it possibly cause harm to someone, to two strangers who you don't know, who just ran by you? Could it cause them harm? Or could it cause anyone harm to call out, you go, ladies, go? And the answer is yes, it could cause harm. Because what we understand now about gender identity is that people who do not identify with the gender that they were assigned at birth, which is to say people who are not cisgender, suffer immensely at the hands of a society that is so obsessed with gender and particularly binary gender, um, and, and it really, really does not make space for anything else. Those people suffer so mightily because of how often gender is shoved in their face, like thousands of times a day, because our language makes it have to happen. Like we all learned to use incredibly gendered language. Our language is so, so full of gender, you know, you like... A lot of times, if you attempt to not use gendered language, it's actually confusing. It's like a weird mental puzzle. You're like, well, what am I supposed to yell out then? Go people go. That's weird. And the, and it's telling, right? Like that would be weird. But it's only weird because we are so, so used to assigning gender every freaking place, every sentence with pronouns, with everything. Like we're obsessed with gender. So... What we know is that somebody who doesn't identify with the gender that they were assigned at birth is likely to feel, um, let's say, misunderstood at best, unseen at best, and like attacked at worst every time they are misgendered, every time that they are reminded of a gender um, expression or performance element that doesn't suit them a word an attachment an identity that doesn't suit them etc so you know it's like we've got kids lining up in kindergarten according to boys and girls right like this causes harm why because one kid there maybe 10 kids there already have a sneaking suspicion that they don't belong in that line 
and that everyone else, the teacher, the kids, nobody's thinking about them. Nobody's thinking about it at all. But they don't belong in the line. They're in the wrong line. Something has been mistaken. People don't understand them. And now imagine this happens every day for, you know, uh, decades and decades that, that people are essentially sorted by gender so often that a person who is dealing with any amount of conflict in that place, any amount of insecurity or self-consciousness or confusion or, or even just outright like, this is not for me, I know this is not for me, all of these moments make it worse. All of these moments function to remind them that they are wrong and they are, you know, the, a problem. They are broken or bad. They are shameful. That, you know, it, it's super harmful. And this is what we see people in the trans community. We see um, episodes of anxiety and depression and mental illness and suicidality. And we see that stuff at astronomically higher rates than in cisgender populations. And the reason, well, there's lots of stuff going on actually, but one of them is just imagine if you are not trans, just imagine growing up in a world that misunderstood and misidentified you 500 times a day for your entire life. You know, every time somebody said, oh, she's so great, you know, we love her. Instead of hearing, oh, my teacher loves me, you hear, my teacher thinks I'm a girl and I'm not, you know, or every time someone says, I look at you and I just see, you know, um, my beautiful, my beautiful daughter. And you're like, you know, you can't really receive it. Oh, cool. My mom loves me, but like, actually I'm not a girl, you know, or every time you get a gift and it's like some gendered thing and you're like, okay, you obviously don't know me. You think that I'm just a boy or a girl. And so you've gotten me a boy or a girl toy. And I don't feel that way. Every tiny moment they add up, you know, one of these in a lifetime is not going to cause any freaking harm. Like it doesn't, it's not about any individual moment necessarily. And this is even, even all, everything I'm saying is totally outside of actual violence, right? This is violent towards a person because it is a lifetime of it. But it is not what I'm, you know, I'm not talking about overt violence and transphobia because that's its a whole other thing, right? Let's say you've got a lifetime of a person who has been misgendered and caused to feel wrong and broken and ashamed and whatever it is you know through all these little moments and now you've, they've gotten to an adulthood and they're like okay I think I'm trans I'm gonna announce this to the people in my life hey I'm non-binary or I'm actually a woman or a man or um, you know whatever it is right or they discover their intersex they learn more about that whatever it is that happens if there's a coming out they are immediately put into a way higher risk category for violence because trans people, particularly transgender women, are at astronomically higher rates for uh, murder, particularly, but a lot of other violence as well. And one of the reasons is just like we live in a wildly transphobic culture. Again, we are obsessed with this idea of gender normativity gender roles being incredibly scripted and according to binary and according to uh, allegedly biology but it's absolute garbage like women are not biologically suited to clean houses and you know whatever <laughs> like do laundry and um and raise kids than men are and men are not biologically more suited to do uh, jobs and make money like none of this is real there may be differences that are patterned in some ways, like 
Sure. I'm not trying to say that there are no differences. In fact, a lot of what I've read really shows that those differences are exaggerated in a huge way, but actually like super interesting if you really get down to them. And most of them that we think of as biological differences are actually socialized differences. Um, but people just, it's really hard for people to see that because they really, really believe in this paradigm in which gender is this binary, right? So transphobia, all the way from innocuous and just like assumed, you know, that like this is just what's real, this is what there is, all the way to full of hate and bigotry and violence. It is really dangerous to be a transgender person. It is really dangerous to not be gender conforming in so many ways. So this person who has spent a lifetime and then finally is brave enough to come out and say, hey, this gender that I was assigned doesn't suit me, they're still, A, most likely going to get misgendered for the rest of their life because people don't get it. Uh, because gender is everywhere, because there are plenty of people who are willing to actively hurt and harm and erase them. So in a simple little innocuous moment, like you're calling out to celebrate the two women who run by you on a hiking trail, well, how do you know they're women? How do you know they identify that way? And more importantly, how do you know that it couldn't cause harm or wouldn't cause harm to use a gendered m language in that moment, to use a gendered term to identify them, either to them or to someone else who's listening? Because I can imagine that this would be an example where like maybe one of those people, maybe one of them is cisgender, loves it, would, would say like, hell yes, I'm a woman, it's great, right? And the other one is gently questioning we'll say right like confused conflicted having a lot of um a lot of these moments that are like oh, that just doesn't fit right with me it just doesn't it doesn't suit me you know I'm still presenting myself that way people look at me and they think woman but I don't feel that suits me so now it's just one more teeny tiny little bit of evidence that everybody needs you to pick a gender be the right gender you know and that your questioning is a problem or it is unimportant because it is invisible. And let's say that person overcomes it anyway. Um, and actually they present however they present, but they, they are trans. Maybe it's a transgender woman. Maybe it's a, a not. But like either way, no matter how they look, to call that out comes with quite a bit of risk to cause harm, to, to reinforce a paradigm that causes harm. And another thing is who's listening? You know, maybe you call that out and both women are women who love the term women, right? And who cares? But there is a child on the trail who is trans, who hears this and has this same harmful binary system of gender identification and it harms them. So this is why I say this stuff is like, you know, there, there's no political correctness here. I think if you called out, go ladies, go, like, I wouldn't be like, what is wrong with you? Why did you do that? Of course not. There's no judgment. There's just an awareness that saying ladies can cause harm. And we have the entire English language, you know, at our, at our beck and call to say something else. You could just say, go, 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 you know, and avoid the gendered potential for harm. You could say any number of things. And it's actually really complicated. Like I am deep, deep in this conversation. In my own life, I attempt not to use gendered language as much as I possibly can. And I still use it all the time. You know, I still look at a little frog or something. And I'm like, oh, I wonder what he's doing. And I'm like, why did I say he? 
Why didn't I say I wonder what they're doing? Why didn't I? And the answer is it's really difficult. It's so difficult. Um, you know, I even have uh, transgender or non-binary friends who use they, them pronouns, and I still mess that up. And this is something that I am passionate about. So like, it's hard, especially at first, but honestly, I mean, you're just reteaching your brain how to think and use language. And again, the reason this matters and the reason it's so hard is because we use gendered language constantly, every sentence. Try and go a sentence without using something that refers to gender. It's really difficult. And sometimes I'll try and do this where it's like you kind of craft an entire sentence around it, right? It's like if I don't want to refer to somebody's gender, maybe I don't know it or I, I know that they prefer not to have um, pronouns used or they don't want you know uh, their pronouns known or something I might say instead of like oh yeah this person's great uh he and I met at such and such and now he's doing uh this job I would say like oh this person is so great um it was when we were working at this place that we met and now um you know, I could say they or I could craft it like, you know, do you, I hope you can see in here like that I'm struggling even to come up with an example here, um, you know, and now the job um, that they love to do. Well, see, I can't even do it without saying they. So this is my point. It's really difficult. But it's worth trying to do the same way that it's really difficult to not compliment people on their appearance or comment on appearance. But knowing that commenting on people's appearance, if you've listened to any of my podcasts, you know this is a huge theme for me, it, it causes harm. If it's a compliment, it causes harm. If it's criticism, it causes harm. People who are listening are listening to harm. You know, it reinforces the hierarchies that say um, thin is good and pretty is good and fat is bad and ugly is bad and, you know, able-bodied is good and disabled is bad. Like all of these things are reinforced by just simply looking at someone and being like, you look fantastic. Have you lost weight? And the same thing is true here. Harm is being caused by reinforcing this idea that a man looking like a man is good. A woman looking like a woman is good. Everything else is bad and confusing and wrong. So essentially, as difficult as this is, um, and in fact, because it's so difficult is why it's so important. It's because it's so common. It's such a huge mess, our language of gendered references and presumptions that we are just in a position now, I would say, to be able to think more critically and do less harm. And if we do this, we invite a lot of body liberation into our conversations. It is absolutely a way of decolonizing your own mind, decolonizing your own um, understanding of your body. It is a way of fighting body oppression and body hierarchies just to change your language in this way. So to me, I'm like, yeah, I don't know if it's politically correct or not. I don't care. What it is is the right thing to do. It's difficult and it's the right thing to do, to try to find other ways of communicating and to notice, at the very least, notice how often you use gender in your language. Um, and, and from there, just pay attention to what that might mean to somebody who is not in identification with this binary system of gender. You know, if somebody's intersex and genuinely is neither of these categories, 3% of the population has to hear him or her, she or he, like every freaking day for their entire lives, knowing that they don't fit either of these things, that biologically speaking, they are, they are neither of these things. And trans folks, it, 
you know, it depends on if they're in or out of the binary, but it's all kind of the same thing. Like it's just a way of reinforcing a hierarchy of specifically cisgender, but binary gender and the performance of what that gender is and means. You know, I mean, if you ask a child, like what, how do you know the difference between a man and a woman? They're very likely to give you some superficial stuff, you know, like maybe they'll say genitals, but a lot of times they'll say, oh, you know, girls leave their hair long and boys have them short. Or um, girls are mommies and boys are daddies. Or, you know, like the understanding is based on external markers, not internal identities. And so if we could change that, if we could both internalize that for ourselves and how we talk to other people, it would it would liberate so many people. It would cause so much less harm and it would give us a lot of space for where body neutrality can thrive because it's not neutral. This is not neutral. Like gendered language is not neutral. Gendered language is so wrought with stories and narratives and beliefs and interpretations that are not real and really don't suit people. So just like making an assumption about someone to be like, oh, you're... Um, you know, you live in a large body, which means you're out of shape. Like that person could be in killer shape and live in a large body, right? Like that just goes to show these assumptions are garbage. <laughs> and uh, likewise, you might look at someone and say, oh, like you have long hair and, um, you know, our kindergarten teacher and painted nails, which means you must be a woman. And, or, you know, you have these genitals, which means you must be a woman. And therefore you probably like XYZ and you're probably, you know, this kind of person. I mean, it's just not true. It's just not helpful. Not it's not information that we that allows us to be neutral in our lives with others or in our relationships with our bodies. So, yeah, gender neutral language is a huge part of body liberation work that everyone can be doing right now, both in order to set yourself free from the patriarchal you know, cis heteronormative binary ideas of what makes a person a man or a woman or other, right? Like, what the hell is gender anyway? This is a social construct um, that has nothing to do with your genitals and really has nothing to do with your potential or personality in the world either. Uh, so it's a really interesting concept to uh, to explore and unpack for yourself and for others. But one of the ways we can do that and prevent doing more harm in the world is to look at our language. So I invite you to do that. You know, think about how often you use things like uh, pronouns or gendered language, like, you know, even like saying to a, a school class, like, okay, boys and girls, well, now you've called gender into it. Why? Why did you need to do that? They're just kids. You could say, okay, kids, okay, people, okay, humans, okay. Um, but we, we have so, so many examples of this. And I personally find myself constantly looking things up where I'll be like, man, on calls, I constantly want to say guys. Like if I have a group call, I'll be like, hey guys. And then I'll stop myself and I'll say, I'm trying to say guys less often. Let me try that again. Hey everyone. And it's, you know, it's kind of like weird how hard it is because I am trying really hard not to say guys. And yet I still say it like daily easily um but i mean just think about how often i would have said it before right obviously a lot more and guys to me it's again it's like it doesn't matter guys is not offensive i don't think it's just a reference to gender that we don't need we don't need it there's so many other ways we can talk to each other without being like hello man or hello men hello women um ladies and gentlemen is another one you know like 
you you go to a theater or it's just I don't know where people say this anymore. Uh, you go to a show or something. And they're like, ladies and gentlemen, let's do such and such or welcome this person to the stage. And like, why did we have to reference gender to do it? We don't. And it can cause harm. So let's stop. Right. But like, what do we replace it with? It's actually really difficult to think. Um, I have heard, which is my favorite thing ladies and gentle them <laughs> to reference like a non-binary option and I just think that's so beautiful because uh, it's got like that kind of pop and power of sounding very similar as opposed to being like um, you know everyone welcome to the stage or uh, just saying like humans or people or whatever so there's so much in our language that has to be kind of reinvented and we I genuinely believe are the generation to reinvent it like us right now can do this work each of us can do this work and the more that we come up with gender neutral language and use it the closer we get to a body neutral world and a great example of things that frustrate me um, in this space is like aunt and uncle i have a um, I call them nibblings because that is my gender neutral term for a niece and a nephew. But again, think about it. Like nibblings is only recently made up and not many people know about the word. But I use it because it's super annoying to be like, I have a boy person in my life and a girl person in my life. Why do I have to tell you their gender just to say that I have these two little humans who are in my family? You know, so and I'm in, I mean, I'm not, but they call me Aunt Jessie. Uh, and it drives me nuts. Like, I don't identify as a woman, so why must you call me, hey, woman family member, you know? Like, it's incredibly frustrating because we literally don't have an alternative. There is no other word for a gender-neutral parent of your, uh, what is it, a kid of your sibling or sibling of your parent, whatever it is that these relationships are. There's no gender-neutral term. It's aunts and uncles and niece and nephew, but now I use nibbling. Uh, anyway, it's it. these are things where it's like these are little problems to solve in the English language for us to move towards a decolonized world and a neutral, a gender neutral and body neutral world, um, a world outside of body oppression. And we have to do it. And it's important that I think individually we all care enough to at least try. We're not going to get it perfectly. We're, you know, language will evolve slowly. It's going, going to move slowly. It's okay. But each of us trying moves it faster. So anyway, that's my little take on why it's important to attempt not to use gendered language in times where gender is not important to the context, which is honestly almost all the time. There are very, very few cases in which using gendered language is actually like really needed um and it, i challenge to yourself like when does it feel needed to you you know uh in your tinder profile or whatever maybe that's like a moment where you're like okay i kind of kind of got a pick but even then the apps are getting up to date about what that means who you're attracted to can be this really interesting landscape now and a lot of times they don't even have things like man woman non-binary or whatever it's like now there's like 30 choices and you just get to pick like whatever feels most suited to you and it's wonderful I mean sure it's more confusing complicated but it's wonderful because it means that we are getting closer to moving away from this particular form of body oppression getting closer to body neutrality in the space of gender uh that's it I I hope that you liked listening to this um I hope that my audio sounds super nice and not not all poppy and weird 
Um, and yeah, I'm super happy to have you here listening. And uh, I look forward to catching you next time.